This is Out of Office for February 2014, creating the best out-of-office workplace led. Welcome to the Out of Office podcast, where you'll learn how to work from virtually anywhere by using the internet for greater convenience, comfort, and freedom. Your hosts are Chris Pudney and Gihan Pereira. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Gihan. How are you? Yeah, very well, thank you. And uh, happy Valentine's Day for tomorrow. Thanks, Gihan. Yes, uh, at least uh, someone cares. Uh, my wife cares as well. It's our 15th wedding anniversary too. Yes, exactly. There's another reason for you to celebrate. So are you doing anything special? Yes, I'm going out with friends and leaving Sharia at home. <laughs> <laughs> because, Gihan, it, uh, as you probably know, if you go out on Valentine's Day, you get gouged. So restaurants will put on a special set price manual. They'll have a hundred tables crammed with people and they'll charge you twice what they normally charge you. So we've learned the hard way to avoid celebrating our anniversary on Valentine's Day. So we're going out in a few weeks' time to some fringe comedy event. Oh, fantastic. Whose idea was it to propose on Valentine's Day to get married on Valentine's Day? (laughs) What kind of idiot does that? Well, Sri agreed to it, so it's a 50-50 proposition. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope you enjoy the celebration of it. Thanks, Ihan. So today we're going to be talking about the best out-of-office workplace and it's based on some research that's come out recently about workplaces. And, and I think it's pretty obvious that workplaces have changed and what employees want from their workplace has changed. And if you look at employee surveys over the years, you can see that there has been a shift. I did some research and a couple of examples. In 1991, there was a Gallup poll uh, asking employees what they wanted. And these were the top things that came up. Things like good health insurance and other benefits, uh, interesting work, job security, vacation time, uh, recognition from co-workers, and regular working hours. Then 10 years later, in 2001, the World Economic Forum report uh, reported on another employee engagement survey and looking at what employees wanted. And now things have shifted slightly. So people are looking for things like work-life balance and still job security and and still financial rewards from their work. But now a few more things like influence and autonomy and professional satisfaction. Um, But if you look, jump ahead another 10 years, uh, in 2013, the Harvard Business Review, two researchers did, did this fairly comprehensive survey of employees and they found that of what people are looking for uh, are quite different now. And they came up with these six factors called the best workplace on earth. And they talked about things like letting me be myself and telling me what's going on and figuring out my strengths and magnifying them and giving me work that's meaningful. And those are the sort of things that people are now looking for. And if you look at that spectrum, it's clear that in 1991, workplaces were pretty paternalistic. So it was a, c- a command and control, a hierarchical model where employees were expecting the employer to do the stuff for them to advance their careers. And if you look at the 2013 version, it's very much focused on personal empowerment. So it's about the employee saying, um, I want somewhere that's going to not only, um, I don't want you just to tell me what to do, but I also want somewhere that's fulfilling, that's rewarding. And in return, I'll do stuff for you. So if you think about employees now looking for personal empowerment, it's especially true for out-of-office workers, which is who we talk about, Chris. And by definition, they are out of sight and sometimes out of mind, but we'll get to that. But they rely on their managers and leaders to give them the tools and the resources and even the corporate culture to help them achieve their work goals. And they're left to their own devices, so they have to be, A, they have to be empowered, but also their, their organization has to empower them and allow them to do those sort of things that, that modern workers are looking for. Yeah, 
Yeah, so we're going to take the factors that were listed in that Harvest Business Review. There were six of them, and we're going to give them an out-of-office work spin. Uh, so we're going to look at creating the, those six factors as factors for creating the best out-of-office workplace on earth. So today's conversation, typically we'd focus on conversations that are about out-of-office workers, but today's conversation is particularly relevant if you're actually a manager or a leader who's got telecommuters in their team, or if you're considering offering out-of-office work to your team members. If you are an out-of-office worker, then you could pass this podcast on to your manager and ask them to consider creating a, the perfect or the ideal out-of-office workplace for you. Yeah, and I think it's also probably worth emphasising, Chris, that when we say out-of-office worker, um, there's, there's a range of uh, ways that that can happen. So telecommuting is probably the most common one, but also this applies if you've got a remote team, so your team members aren't in the same city or the same office, or even if you're doing things like outsourcing, where you may have team members who are just there on contract, and they may not be seen as as full members of your team, but some of these principles do apply to them as well. That's right. So anyone who's working remotely from you, I suppose, Gihan, whether they're telecommuters or, as you say, you've got a distributed global team. Yep. Yep. Okay, so let's start with the first of these six factors. And the first one is let me be myself. And that's about allowing workers to be themselves, so to be the same person they are at work as the person they are at home, so that they feel that they can freely express opinions or if they've got any unique skills that they can they can apply them at work. Uh, I listened to an interview, Gihan, with the authors of this report, and they said that men are particularly bad at this, that uh, some guys, they go to work and they'll role-play their way through the week, and then uh, they've got the hope of rediscovering their humanity on the weekend, and that's really, that's 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 not a way to live, to have 48 hours to be human and uh, the rest of the time that you're uh, a work drone. And there's also benefits to, to this, for this to the, to the organisation as well, in so much as if people feel that they can't express themselves freely at work, then the organisation is missing out on useful ideas. And if they have skills that they're not contributing, they feel held back, then the, the organisation is, miss, is missing out on those as well. But when it comes to out-of-office workers in particular, Gihan, you've, you've listed three ideas. They are be flexible, be alert, and be sensitive. Would you like to expand on those? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So th this is if you're leading or managing an out-of-office work team or out-of-office workers. The first thing is to just be flexible because just keep in mind that one of the reasons they might have chosen that out-of-office work style is because it does suit some aspect of their lifestyle. They might have family commitments or like the flexible working hours or where they live or being able to travel. So as much as possible, accommodate that, and that is part of letting them be themselves. And the second thing is be alert and just be aware that if you communicate remotely with people, that there sometimes does cause problems because uh, it's easy to misunderstand people. You don't get their tone of voice. Sometimes people will take offense faster because they just see something written and they, they flare up. And sometimes they don't even respond to that. So conflicts can take longer to resolve. So as a manager, you need to be able to encourage people to express their opinions and have differences of opinion, but also be alert to these problems that can arise and be sure that you can resolve issues quickly when they do arise. It doesn't mean that you need to stamp out any sort of differing opinion. In fact, that's the opposite of what you need to do. But you also need to be aware of some of the interpersonal problems that can, that can come up, which happen through remote communication. 
Um, and the third thing is be sensitive. So just be aware that people being themselves, uh, especially in remote teams or telecommuting, they might be from different countries, they might be from different cultures, they, they might be working in different time zones. So what might be morning for somebody when they're really alert and ready to go into a busy working day might be evening for somebody else when they're just winding down. So just, just be aware of some of those differences so that you can allow people to be themselves. Yeah, very good. So the second characteristic is tell me what's really going on. So workers want to know the facts. They want to know them unvarnished and in full so that they can make their own informed decisions. So they need to know the whole story. Nothing needs to be left out. They, need to, they, don't, they don't want it to have spin applied so that they get uh, all the background and, uh, and they can make decisions with full information. They also want to know that if they say something negative, that uh, it's not going to be considered disloyal. And they want to feel that upper management and top executives actually want to hear bad news, that, that they need to know when things are broken. And they're only going to hear about that if uh, workforce and employees speak out. So again, Gihan, in the case of uh, managing teams, uh, distributed teams and remote workers, you've come up with three key ideas. And they are share equally, open up and lend, lend them an ear. Yep. Okay, so the first one is sharing equally, and one of the problems with an out-of-office work team, especially if not everybody is out of office, is that it's easy for them to forget about them. So you leave them, you keep them out of the loop. And mostly that happens by accident because, you know, for example, they just don't happen to be around for the staff meeting where everybody else gets the news and you just forget to tell them. So you've got to be aware of that. But also sometimes it's done intentionally. It's not often maliciously, but sometimes intentionally you might leave somebody out and keep them out of the loop simply because you think maybe they're not as important a team member because they're not a, they're not in the office all the time. And, uh, you know, for example, if you have if you outsource some work to a contractor, that contractor may not be seen as a full member of the team where, in fact, they, they might be happy to be and they would be willing to be seen as a full member, but, but you don't share information equally with them because you see them as a second-class citizen. So don't do that. Um, and the other two things are uh, with information flowing the other way. So open up is providing ways for them to share information with you and also not only with you, but also with others. And in some ways, the out-of-office environment actually facilitates this because there are online collaboration tools available that make this a little bit easier. So you can have your team working with online tools like wikis and blogs and forums and social media and private social media networks that allow people to, to communicate and open up with each other. And the third thing uh, I've called lend them an ear. And this is about making sure that you provide informal communication channels as well as the formal ones. So the ones I've just mentioned, like things like blogs and wikis, they're formal. And even if they're done casually, there's a record of them. So they're online, they're, record, they're, they're saved, they're backed up, and they're kept for posterity. But you need to allow some informal channels as well. So just like your in-office team members can grab you and go for a coffee or just have a private conversation somewhere in the office or some, maybe outside the office, you need to allow your out-of-office workers to have that opportunity as well. So they, they've got to be able to be comfortable sharing stuff openly and some stuff that's private and confidential and doesn't get recorded and may be used against them in the future. So you have to provide some informal channels for off-the-record conversations. And that may be just as simple as allowing them to pick up the phone and call you or setting up a Skype conversation with you. Um, and um, the technology is there, but you, they've got to feel comfortable doing that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, you need to encourage, you need to be 
bit proactive, don't you? Because I think it's easy for an out-of-office worker to just sit back and stay quiet because they're remote. That's sort of a, the natural thing to do. So sometimes you have to reach out, I think, and uh, encourage them to share what they have to say. Uh, and, and especially if they've got an off-the-record channel to do that, that helps. Yeah, exactly. And I think you used the, the key word there, Chris, which is being proactive. So you have to uh, you have to make sure that they feel that you're going to be happy with them doing that, not just that you're going to tolerate it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the third characteristic is about adding value, and it's discover and magnify my strengths. So workers want to be able to contribute and in return want you to help them grow. And typically, uh, many organisations will apply these kinds of things at the executive and the upper managerial level, but really it needs to be applied across all of the workforce. You want everyone um, improving their productivity and adding value. So that, I guess, also extends, Gihan, to your remote workforce as well. So not just upper management and not just people who work in the office, but your entire workforce, be they working out of office or in the office. So you've got uh, several, several ideas here. They are include them, dig deep, help them grow, equal rights and grow up. Okay, so let's take the returns. So include them is... It, again, it's easy to overlook them just because they aren't around. So make sure that they get the same opportunities as everybody else to contribute and to develop. So there are things that in-office workers might get which you, which you don't realize and you just take for granted that they're getting those opportunities and out-of-office workers might miss out simply because they're not in the office. And the, the things like, you know, for example, people might go to a training course to, to develop some strengths or to build up their skills or they may get paired up with a mentor in the office and it's easy to just forget about the fact that your out of office workers might also need or value those sort of opportunities but they don't get them so the first thing is include them um, the second one is dig deep which is to look at them as more than just a body or a head who can do your their, their assigned task so they might be capable of doing so much more but you may never discover this. Uh, whereas with your in-office workers and your in-office team members, you might discover this because you're around them all the time and you have informal chats where they might just um, drop into a conversation that, oh, they've got some graphic design skills and you didn't realize that, but you need those skills uh, to be able to design a brochure. Um, with your out-of-office workers, because those conversations don't happen so often, it's easy to just assume that all all they can do for you is their assigned roles. So, um, you know, dig deep, dig deeper, find out a little bit more about them and find out more about what they can contribute and what they want to contribute because, remember, this is about discovering their strengths and magnifying them and allowing them to use those strengths and your your workers want to do that, so help them do that. Um, and the next one I've touched on already, which is help them grow. So make sure that those traditional development opportunities that you give to your in-office workers um, don't exclude your out-of-office workers. So give them equivalent opportunities. So, for example, we uh, we might give our in-office workers a an in-person workshop or a training course, and you might give your out-of-office workers a MOOC uh, or a, an online learning opportunity so that they've got access to the same sort of learning and training opportunities. Um, similarly, with mentoring, then they might with your in-office workers, they might have mentors who are in the office itself, even if they're outside your team or your department. With your out-of-office workers, you can do it remotely, and that can work very effectively. But also, maybe give them the opportunity to, to find a mentor outside your organization. And maybe that's not part of your formal mentoring program, but you need to be flexible and allow that so that they get the chance to, to develop and grow as well. 
So the next one is equal rights. And what I mean by that is don't discriminate against them. And I'm not talking about traditional kind of discrimination or stereotypical kind of discrimination, discrimination. But this is don't discriminate against them just because you can't see and hear them every day. And it, it's, this is about the interpersonal communication that you have with, your, with all of your team. And you're in office workers. You see them every day. They, they hang out and do social things with you. And they, they're involved in some of the interpersonal dynamics, good and bad, in the office. And your out-of-office workers aren't in that situation. So you don't see and hear them all the time. So it's a little bit uh, like out of sight, out of mind. You've got to be careful that that doesn't happen. Or because you don't engage with them socially, perhaps you don't have that interpersonal interaction with them. And so they don't become friends or buddy, buddies, at, or at least work friends and work buddies. But that doesn't mean that they can't contribute equally uh, to both what's what you need them to do, and also for you to be able to help magnify and discover their strengths as well. And the last one is to grow up. And what I mean by this is that out-of-office work is sometimes seen as only appropriate and feasible for your lower-level workers, but it's often seen as not appropriate once you get into managerial level or, or leadership roles. And so just be careful that this doesn't influence the way that you look at your out-of-office workers and you look at their potential. So what I mean by grow up is when you're looking at people for promotion, just keep in mind that your out-of-office workers might be equally uh, appropriate and uh, and the right person to promote, even if they're doing out-of-office work. So there's some things to consider. So one is, if an out-of-office worker is a potential candidate for some sort of leadership or management role, look for ways to assess those sort of skills before you push them into that role. With your in-office workers, you might be doing things like they come along to uh, management meetings with you or you give them the chance to give a presentation outside your team to just test test their presentation and communication skills. So you've got to think of ways, or equivalent ways, of allowing that for your out-of-office workers who might be being considered for management roles. The other thing to think about is just because you think that managers and leaders have to be in office all the time doesn't mean that it always has to be that way. And there might be ways to incorporate some sort of out-of-office work for the right sort of candidate uh, in, when you move them into management roles. So don't assume that just because they uh, it, it has always been done in office, that it always has to be that way. And the last thing is, uh, out-of-office workers really do value their out-of-office time, but for the right job and the right position, they might be willing to sacrifice that out-of-office work and go into an in-office role. So don't assume that they'll always want that above everything else. So if they have the chance to move into a management role or leadership role, they might be willing to give up some or all of their out-of-office flexibility in order to take on that role. So don't overlook your out-of-office workers just because they are uh, out-of-office. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. So... The fourth goal or the fourth characteristic is about aligning all of your workers with uh, the corporate identity and mission. So people, it's called Make Me Proud I Work Here, and workers want to work for someone that's, that they feel is making a difference in the world, uh, not just to their own life, like getting paid, for instance. So they need to know what uh, the company is about, they need to know uh, the values that they stand for, and they want to know that, that it's not all about making money and, and making profit. And that extends also to teams of distributed and out-of-office workers. And Gihan, you've got three points here. They are fill them in, include them, and ask them. 
Yep. Okay. So fill them in is just again giving them the right sort of information. We talked about information earlier, and that was mainly around their day-to-day -day work. But here we're talking about the big picture and the bigger purpose. So help them understand your mission and your culture and your values and your purpose, and, uh, and help them feel part of a bigger team. So it's it, it's pretty hard for them to get this sort of information the way that some of your in-office team members might do simply by being around everybody else and being in the office. So you just need to be more intentional and proactive about doing this. And it starts right from the time that you, that even that you interview them, that you make sure that you understand and help them understand your organization's culture and mission. And then of course, once you bring them on board, then in your induction, then you talk about that. When you start projects, you make sure that that's part of it as well, so they, they feel part of it. Um, and when you do things like performance reviews, that also you help the, you help reinforce and uh, help them understand the, the organization's culture and values. And this is not because you want to force feed it to them, but it's because they want to know. And as, as you said, Chris, the, the point is make me proud I work here, and people want to feel proud that, that they work for the organization they work for, even if they're not in the office all the time. And the second one is to include them. And uh, there are things that you might do as part of your culture and as part of your community contribution. And it's easy to overlook them when you're doing that. So if you're doing a bike ride for charity or you're doing uh, some sort of sponsorship of, a, of, a, of your local school, then your in-office workers, it's easy for them to take part, but it's not as easy for your out-of-office workers. So think of creative ways that you can include them and help them feel part of that culture. Um, and the last thing is ask them. Uh, so it isn't only about you telling them, it's also about them sharing with you uh, what they would like, what sort of culture they would like to be part of, what sort of organization they like to be part of. Because culture is, culture is owned by the people, it's not owned by the organization. And your out-of-office workers um, have just as much right and just as much ability to influence the culture if you let them do that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this fifth characteristic is related. It's make my work meaningful. So it goes from sort of a corporate-wide culture to people's day-to-day -day work. They want to know that their day-to-day -day work is part of something, something that's uh, something bigger. So they need to know that their duties actually make sense, that they're contributing towards something and that their job is meaningful to them. So in the case of out-of-office workers, the three, the three points that you've listed, Gihan, are to start early, to check in and slack off. Yes, okay. Okay, so let's start with start early. So this is involving them right at the start of the project. So it's not only once they're deeply immersed in it, but right at the start of the project, help them meet other people, see how their role fits in, and allow them to contribute their ideas and take ownership of their role right at the start of the project so that they understand on a day-to-day -day basis where their, where their work fits in with everybody else's. And it's much harder for an out-of-office worker to see that because in an in-office team, that you're around your team members all the, all the time, whereas in an out-of-office uh, environment, you might just be, you might get tasks to do, and then you do the work uh, independently and privately by yourself, and then you send off the results, and you may never see where that fits in. So, so get this, get their understanding early on in the project, and then keep checking in. So the second one is that uh, you you do want to keep checking in. And don't assume that your out-of-office workers are always going to stay engaged just because you involve them at the start of the project. Because things change. Projects change. The team members change. Roles within the team change. And sometimes individuals themselves within the team, their goals and their objectives change. So, so make sure that your out-of-office workers 
get to see those changes and understand those changes. So you just need to communicate more openly and probably more frequently in both directions about some of the things that are changing and also just checking in with them and just explaining again, if changes occur, how their work continues to be meaningful. And then the last one is slack off. And by that, I don't mean that you have to get have to be slack. But um, the point I'm making here is that a lot of out of office communication is is pretty efficient and tight. And that's usually a good thing. So for example, um, in an online meeting, you tend not to have people turning up early and chatting informally, or you don't have so much by play and banter within the meeting itself, it tends to be pretty focused and on task. But that also means that sometimes you're so focused on the specific details that some of the interpersonal dynamics get ignored or neglected. So you just got to allow time for that. And so maybe you do need to allow um, informal chatting at the start of a meeting or at the start of the a, a weekly status meeting. People talk about what they did on the weekend. And it may only take up a couple of minutes in your meeting, but it just helps people, uh, again, connect with each other and also makes it easier for them to then engage with people on work-related tasks later, both inside and outside that meeting. So you don't want to do too much of that because that wastes people's time, but you also don't want to do none of it because then you, you miss out on the opportunities for people to engage with others and see where their work fits in. Yeah, I think getting the balance right is important, Gihan. And it does take a long time for that to develop for out-of-office workers. I mean, I, I've developed that kind of rapport with people, but I've worked with them for more than a decade now, and, and often I've met them face-to-face when I've worked on site. Uh, so it does take some effort to, to develop that uh, informal style and do so in a balanced fashion. So the last characteristic is don't hinder me with stupid rules. And I think it's perhaps my favorite as it makes the most practical sense to me on a daily basis. So the thing is that workers want rules and guidelines, but only if they're going to help them do their job well. So the rules need to be simple, clear and apply equally. And they need to actually make sense. And everyone needs to understand them. And finally, authority needs to be respected. In the case of out-of-office workers, Gihan, you've suggested to break rules, start over and build trust. Yeah, look, before I explain what those are, Chris, like you mentioned that this is your favourite one because it does affect you. Can you give an example of how that affects you and how you've been able to work around that? Yeah, sure. So in an out-of-office context, as a remote worker, often uh, there are technical rules and systems that are developed, but they really only apply to people who are working on site on the local intranet. And consideration hasn't been given to people who might be accessing the same resources but doing so remotely over a VPN. And so those kinds of uh, those kinds of rules just get in the way and they make life difficult and you have to work around them or bend the rules in order to be able to work productively. So it's I think it's the things you're going to talk about in a moment when you expand on your points. It's about uh, taking into consideration the fact that you've got remote workers when it comes to developing these rules. Yeah, good. And that is, that is a perfect lead into the first of my points, which is breaking the rules. Because as a leader or manager, if you look at some of the standard rules and policies that you're running yourself and that you've got control over, and even at a higher level, what your organization's rules might be, they're generally not designed with out-of-office work in mind. They, they might work, uh, but they might not. So some of them might be benign, so they're harmless and not applicable to out-of-office workers, but others can really get in the way. And you've, you've mentioned some examples there, Chris. So some of them are just frustrating. So there's red tape that you have to go through, which an out-of-office worker has to do, even if it doesn't apply to them. Or they might even be more serious, and they're, they're things that do affect 
the businesses and the organization as a whole. And even things that, like, um, that have legal ramifications and HR type of ramifications like insurance and security and employment conditions. So your social media policy, your organization might have rules around that, but they may not be relevant or appropriate or the best thing uh, for your out-of-office workers. So you've got to encourage your out-of-office workers to, to question the rules. And then if they request some changes to the rules, you as a leader or a manager have, have to be willing to like, go into bat for them to change them if necessary. Now, some of them are easy because they're rules that you may have set and that you've worked with, so you can change them. But others, you may need to fight for them uh, on their behalf to get someone like HR or senior management to change the rules. So you do need to be able to break the rules. Um, the second one is starting over. And so breaking the rules can help. It's a little bit of a Band-Aid solution. But the, the key here is to focus on the goals that you want to achieve, not the rules. So pretend that the rule book doesn't exist at all. And then think about what you need your out-of-office workers to achieve for you and then bring back the rules and the guidelines and the systems and the processes that actually help. So it doesn't mean that at the end of the process you're going to be able to go, okay, from now we're just going to follow this modified rule book, but it does help you highlight the things that are going to help you and also it will help you highlight the things that are missing that you may need to add in as processes and guidelines because there's nothing wrong with rules and there's nothing wrong with processes and guidelines as long as they help facilitate the process of achieving your goals. And um, you know, your out-of-office workers and all your team members like having rules and processes and guidelines to work with as long as they're helpful. And, and the last one is to build trust. And you talked about authority, Chris, and you talked about the fact that authority is respected. Well, it's true with out-of-office workers as well, but in general, uh, your out-of-office workers are going to trust and respect people because they are an authority, not because they have authority. In other words, they're going to respect you because of your expertise, not because of your job title or what it says in your business card or whether you've got the, the corner office or the, the premium parking spot uh, in the car park. So you've got to give them opportunities to, to build their own authority and there's some online tools that can do that, such as blogs and wikis and forums. Maybe get them to chair a meeting or make an online presentation. So they build their authority so that other team members call on them. And also allow them to be able to see the authority of other people. So if you allow your other team members to do those sort of things like blogging, then that happens. Um, but also remember that they may be con connecting and engaging with other people inside and outside the organization. So obviously other team members, but there may be others in the organization that they want to connect with. There may be external experts that they want to either bring in formally or just ask for advice from time to time. Um, they may want to get access to potential mentors who can help them develop and grow. And so help them see the expertise in other in other people as well. So as, as a leader or manager, you want to be, your job is to help expose them to that because that's the way that they find the people that they're going to respect and trust. Very good. Very good. So there we have it. That's six characteristics for creating the best workplace on earth with a focus on your out-of-office workers and remote workforce. And Gihan, I think if there's one theme that uh, recurs through those six characteristics when you talked about leading out-of-office workers, it, it's that of an inclusion. So uh, in many instances, I think uh, it's easy to forget your remote workers, your telecommuters, and I think many of the ideas you've suggested today have been taking into consideration the fact that you've got out-of-office work workers and treating them as full members of your workforce, not just as an afterthought.
Is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, if I was to give uh, one final piece to this and one last thought around this, it's also keep in mind that you're out-of-office workers, and this is going to be a bit of a generalization, but your out-of-office workers might be more proactive, more disciplined, more productive, uh, more goal-oriented than some of your in-office workers simply because they have to do the, they have to have those sort of characteristics to make out-of-office work work for them. So if you're not tapping into their potential, then you're missing out on a, on a huge amount of potential that's there, just waiting. Uh, waiting to be used and it can help you and it can help them as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's an, a generalization I wholeheartedly endorse. Okay, so as usual, we'll have a blog post accompanying this podcast. It'll be on the outofofficebook.com website. Just follow the blog link and in the blog episode, in the blog post, we'll have links to the original Harvard Business Review article that uh, lists these six characteristics and if you have any questions or comments, you can post them there. And since I mentioned the outofofficebook.com website, uh, that is where you can buy our Out of Office book, which is all about using the internet for greater flexibility and freedom in your work life. So, Gihan, it remains for me to thank you for your time today and sharing your wisdom and thoughts on this particular topic. And we'll be back in about a month's time with another podcast episode talking about another Out of Office topic. Yeah, thanks very much, Chris. No worries. So until then, thanks very much and bye for now. Bye for now. Visit our website at outofofficebook.com where you can read all our show notes, subscribe to the podcast, and get our book out of office. We wish you all the best in creating the work style of your choice.